Everybody and welcome to episode 349 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my Texan co-hosts, Peter and Jake. Howdy, y'all. Um, we're coming at you this week with the uh, surprise fast food chain revival edition of the cast. Just when your favorite place to eat, thought you thought it was out of reach, comes back to you. You find it one day. It's sitting there, and the Grubhub recommends, and you go, "Oh, it's a sign from it's a sign from God." Have Have either of you been to Whataburger? Um, have, once, yes. I have not been to a many moons ago. I don't remember anything about the quality of the food. It's probably completely different. I gotta say, no. I was there a couple years ago. I was there for work, and uh, there just happened to be one right by, and I'm like, you know what? I gotta go. I missed out. It's always there. I missed out it's on my right chances. There. It's not always there. They're wrong about that. Because when I went to Houston, uh, it was very not there. The dr- only the drive-through was open, and we were just a couple of lads uh, bantering about Houston romping, and uh, they would not let us walk through the drive-through, so we we're pissed. <laughs> Uh, long story short, Whataburger's which, not like that great. It's fine. Which, uh, which, which, uh, regional burger place, upscale burger place, would you say is the most hyped? In and Out, Whataburger, or uh, Shake Shack? I will say this much: in terms of quality, In and Out is the best of that three. Easily. But you mean like from the fans? Who who are the, who have the most like? Who's the, who is the biggest hype yeah. beast? Yeah. I feel like you don't hear too much about Whataburger outside of Texas people. But. And in and outs in a few states. They're strong. Like the, the Whataburger team, they're strong. Um, you know what? You know what really needs to be? I know it's not a burger place, but what really needs to be on this list of really hype places is Waffle House. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's there. I I just disc- I don't count it because it's, it's a separate any thing greasy a, spoon you've ever eaten at. It's a fully developed menu. Um, you know, it's it's we were so close. I think we're missing one element, right? We have the East Coast, we have the West Coast, we have the Southern border. Now we just need the Northern border. But instead of a freaking delicious like Michigan special burger chain. We've got the, uh, we were so close, but we got Runza. No, what's who? Runza. Nebraska. Who's got the, uh, the Nebraska chain? As America Runza. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was thinking um, chili and cinnamon roll. What the fuck? Yeah. That is that's a black, fact, that's a black dynamite joke. <laughs> that's is in what fact that an is. actual food in the Midwest. They will slather a cinnamon roll in chili. That's wrong. That's wrong on numerous levels. You should not do that. And if you do that, you should stop. Get some oh help. Oh my god, they ship. So Arunza is it's like um it's a northern it's one of those northern European like peasant foods where they Find put your... meat and cabbage into a into a bread pocket and all the immigrants living in Nebraska were like, We're just gonna do that again. And okay, then they made a, it into a chain. As a man who lives in Upstate New York, the closest, um, 
let's see if I can even put up a number of miles. There's not a there's not a runza within a hundred miles where I live. So, Show locations by state. They exist only in Colorado, Iowa, Kansas, and Nebraska. If we put in our order, so it says I look I look at the shipping instructions because they ship. If we put our order in by Friday, they'll ship on Monday, and we'll get it by the next Friday. <laughs> so go get. It's going FedEx ground, baby. You said one hundred and sixty-five dollars. You get a dozen sandwiches for six. I think for oh, it's so it's a dozen sandwiches and packaging and a thing of dry ice. And the shipping is forty bucks. Forty bucks. <laughs> you gotta get it there fast. It's like Jimmy John's, except it takes a week. Yeah, if you're like overnighting this to me, I could understand forty dollars worth of shipping. But you're not. What and is- you're charging me twenty bucks for the fucking box. <laughs> it's amazing. They should not have put that cost breakdown on there. <laughs> what is temperature Tuesday? Oh, I should probably be uh, showing the video audience what the hell we're yes, talking please. about here. <laughs> so you said Runza. I was thinking more Culver's, um, but I, I looked up the locations. They, that's a whole parallel issue is the, the chicken place that sells chicken and fries and nothing else. There's there's a lot of those. Yeah, yeah there's one right by me now, Dave's Hot Chicken. Huh? I've had it. Those tenders are large. They're like They're like a baby's forearm. That baby was working out. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking of burgers because, like, Culver's had the 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 Curter burger or something like that. The the one with the big cheese curd patty that was deep fried from oh. deliciousness. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, I would fuck it, with it that. It looks really good. <laughs> um, they're located in like, um, what is this? What? Oh, Indianapolis. Uh, Question is, do they ship? They better. <laughs> it's true. Um, Michigan has some, I think some Wisconsin has some, uh, Illinois, Ohio. So, yeah, I think I've, I I think I've eaten at one of those when I was in, uh, Milwaukee. That's where I was. I see. Hmm. Well, regardless. Trailers. Trailers. (laughs) They're like, they're like the runzas of movies. (laughs) I guess. <laughs> some some would say. <laughs> In the words of, of noted astrophysic, astrophysicist Buddy Holly, <laughs> runs us hard. Trailers are the I think you mean Elvis. <laughs> America runs us on trailers. Oh, fuck. Recycling um, my joke. <laughs> that's what we're God doing here. We're eco-friendly. Sloppy seconds. Um, I, I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> let's start. Let's start in the at the bottom. At the bottom. Okay, so Velma. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say your place or mine. Oh, all right. That's also kind of bottom. So, a reoccurring theme in this segment is uh the trailer that puts the whole movie in the trailer, and I think this uh, embodies that to. The an alarming degree. Yeah. degree. The um so this is this is your rom com for February that Netflix has put out. And the the one twist is like they the two 
uh, love interest go to each other's house and they live it's like a it's like a freaky friday but less interesting yeah they just trade apartments <laughs> yeah it's like swapping houses <sighs> yeah it's they, i remember when they did this on on reality tv in the mid 2000s it's a crazy Riveting. premise trading places um, yeah. so they take that um semi-unique premise and beat it to death in the trailer um now i'm not just talking about the plot or the plot, you know, the overview. Like we get to see every beat of this entire movie. Um, yeah. We may have missed a whole two jokes. Um, that's that's no, that's Ashton Kutcher has to relate to his not son, and um, what's her name hangs out and meets cute boys in New York City. Reese's, uh, you know, not a fork. <laughs> Reese's and her fork. Um, yeah, she goes and, and meets a guy without a know, fork, and they so that they get to do the will she choose her heart or will she choose her <laughs> choose that dick? Um, and I swear to God, if this movie ends with them meeting at the airport or some shit, like he runs off the airport to like confess his love or whatever. I think if- Fucking tackled by TSA because they left their luggage. <laughs> they let you on the tarmac. <laughs> no, they're gonna be they're gonna be going back home and they're gonna pass each other on the planes in the air. I'm like, no, <laughs> they're gonna they'll yell out the window of the plane to each other. They're gonna have a connection. They're gonna like have. They'll a... open the window and the fucking cabin pressure just drops. Turns out, it turns out that was what caused the FAA outage uh, <laughs> yesterday morning. The one that yeah the FAA was out for like an hour and now. Air travel is gonna be fucked for the next like month, just because like everything was delayed. He, it was bigly delayed. <laughs> Get over it. Yeah, this uh, not to mention like all the shots where they have the the you know, place setting. And they're like, oh, you're in New York. It's just completely green screened in there. It just doesn't even look right. Mm-hmm. It's very uh. Uh, distracting takes you kind of out of it when you're like, oh, that's just uh, something you got from stock footage. Are you suggesting that Netflix spared expense with your place or mine? Because I don't know that I can tolerate that slander. Yeah. I... Like next, you'll be telling me that the kid who's smart for his age is going to reveal the plain truth of of uh, Ashton Kutcher's <laughs> love for for Reese Witherspoon. I was hoping and they would the... at least shoot on scene in New York and L.A. And really shut down like some street traffic. You know, next, we'll use that one alley. Next thing you're gonna tell me these aren't real houses and it's just a couple of walls and strategically placed shots so you don't have to look at the ceiling. If we so rich, how do, how come we don't got a ceiling? <laughs> Camera pans up. Yeah. So that's this is the movie. Like I I really did feel like I saw the entirety of the movie. The only thing they, I guess, left out is the ending, but it's a it's a Netflix rom com. I feel like everyone's not, seen the entirety of this movie a dozen times over as different movies. Yeah, so I guess if you don't want to be surprised, sure, go on in and enjoy. Because I'm I'm sure your place or mine would really surprise you. <laughs> If you didn't watch the trailer, 
feels like the story's going in some bold and unexpected directions. Feels like the very tenth time. Um, from there, we are going. Can only go up from there, baby. We're gonna get. Sh- we're gonna get less dumb. We're gonna get sharper. Like the image. Sharper, yeah. Um, this is a weird combination of words to summarize this trailer, but here goes anyway. This is an Apple TV Plus original movie uh, made by A24, starring Sebastian Stan, uh, whose parents are played by John Lithgow and Julianne Moore. They're only it's- missing the black out to be childish Gambino. And then it'd be like the best ever. Yeah. They, well, you reminded me of, of in the trailer for Shotgun Wedding, which we're not going to talk about. Um, Lenny Kravitz is like, he does like an action scene in it, I guess. That's his cameo. He does like this little karate or whatever. Um, but this, this is not that. No. <laughs> this is, this is uh, Apple type TV. Um, and I mean, I mean, the plot looks, eh, it looks, it looks interesting. It's a con man trying to boost a billionaire. Um, it could be good and I'm sure it won't suck, but I also kind of feel like it's the kind of movie you forget about. And then when you're playing six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, you call someone out on their bullshit that Sebastian Stan was ever in a movie with John Lithgow, and then they go to IMDb and they pull up Sharper, and you're like, the Shit. fuck is this movie? <laughs> yeah, it, it just yeah. kind of seems a little thin, to be honest. Like, it, it, it doesn't seem like it's going for any twists or turns. Maybe the only twist that they're trying to say is that the mother is going to fall in love and stay with him, and then they're going to, like, she's going to rat on her son, if it's actually her son. Maybe it's her partner. No, I actually kind of took a different take from this because they. It seemed like the messaging was very up up front, trying to say like, who who do you actually believe? So like, there's the in the trailer. There's the main con is like, the mother is courting the the millionaire mother is courting the billionaire stepdad, while the son takes the opportunity to like use that as a uh, opportunity to fleece him um, by hiring a one of his friends to like court the dad's estranged biological son i think that is what happened is happening yes um so the mom's fleecing the dad while the other lady is fleecing the son but the the other like uh hook is supposed to be like some of the some of the con men are also conning each other or like who do you actually want to believe oh yeah it's all big Um, con yeah drama twists i feel like it's gonna be a lot of uh kind of draggy exposition and maybe some good intrigue that ultimately kind of uh doesn't stick the landing that'd be my my estimate for sharp i feel like i'm gonna get conned into not watch if i watch this apple tv probably not gonna watch it um i mean i'd rather watch kaleidoscope if I hear it's good, I'll watch it. I, feel- I have I have other things. It, when I get Apple TV, I have other things I want to watch on it before I get to this. Like apples. Sure. I think they have an Apple documentary on there. The, the Gala. The Gala. And 
and the old lady comedy Granny Smith. That you know, you know the you have the political thriller Northern Spy. You be careful, Peter. Apple's gonna come for you. These are some hot ideas. You even got you even got adult content. I mean, Red Delicious, mm. Pink Lady. Oh, directed by Tyler Perry. Come on, <laughs> the new Medea Apple movie, <laughs> Pink Lady. Pink Lady. <laughs> If you were going to tell me that Sharper was directed by Tyler Perry, and I'd be like, well, that'd just be putting it over the top in terms of what the fuck is this movie. I wouldn't be surprised. He did Acrimony. That was like a thriller, not a heisty movie, but it was a drama. Acrimony is the same as all his other fucking movies. I've never seen a movie that wasn't Medea. It's just lit darker. (laughs) Well... You know what I have to say to that? Velma. Okay. I have to say jinkies to that. Okay. This is a trailer that I have a single reaction to. And that reaction is a series of questions. Okay. First one is why? Why, why are we making this show? The second one is, for whom is the show supposed to be? Adults. I can get that one. I can answer that one. Because it says, Velma well, no, is an got... adult animated comedy series. You see, but that that description itself is a lie. Because if it were a comedy series, there'd be jokes. No, she said a joke. She said... She has no brains, Daphne says. Well, that's just an observation. Ugh. <laughs> and then Velma responds with, I'm not dissing her. She has no brain. Because the girl that fell out of the uh, locker is uh, de- uh, discalled, capped. Yes. And, She's uh, missing her brain. Yeah. And they put a weird sensor up on it. Oh, did you get a sensor? Yeah. I don't have a sensor on it. Yeah, the I guess the one of them did. I, what was the what's the uncensored version? Uh, just looks like a hole. It's just I don't know. Wow, it's a red, goopy hole. Exciting. Um, I I shared a picture. I don't. It just while I was just, while I was just scanning through the trailer, I just took a snip. I put it on the. The oh. file share oh. uh, link here for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's emblematic of the trailer. I just think it's a really goofy, a little goofy screen cap. Um, yeah, no this this trailer is uh, they they're they're trying <laughs> they're trying too hard in in I don't know what direction. Um, because. I don't yeah, I don't know what they're doing with these characters. Other than like we flopped it, we switched everything about them around. Are are you annoyed? Yeah. Are like, you maybe a little angry about that? I did a little trolling. It just If you're gonna remake a Scooby Doo or do an adult Scooby Doo like you need Scooby Doo, <laughs> like the the thing doesn't work without Scooby Doo. Now I don't, I want Scooby to be dragged into this. Obviously, I don't mm-hmm. wish that for anyone. 
but um yeah it, it doesn't work and <laughs> this show really doesn't work because it has a 2.5 out of 10 on imdb on the back of 1200 ratings for the first two episodes which are currently out yeah so it's too late to stop it also elephant in the room they uh replaced shaggy with uh norville and i don't (laughs) really know why you kept velma daphne and fred but you got rid of shaggy i don't know if you're joking or not jake um but for those of you who are not in the know shaggy's real name oh Shaggy is Norville Rogers. Norville Rogers. Norville, quotation mark, Shaggy Rogers. Because his whole, he has his one joke, or his his character joke, which, you know, when you're doing that, that's that's usually a sign that you don't have a lot of material there. Like, you made the character the joke instead of the jokes they're telling. We'll see. But his character joke is that Instead of Shaggy being like totally on weed, man, he's like a straight edge guy who is totally not, he hates drugs and he's not a goof. He's very serious. I I'm, I would like to Isn't apologize to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, <laughs> um, to my wife. I have made a blunder, an error in not realizing. That's right. You have one of those now. Yes, I can say that. Um... Okay, uh, fine, whatever. Just you know, Jake. For that, we are going to have to punish you. We are putting you in the scrappy do room for five whole minutes. No, your punishment is to watch the first two episodes of film. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, whatever. I'll take it as a palate cleanser between my. Uh, we'll send you as our canary into the coal mine. <laughs> it'll be my palate cleanser between my my nightly lashings. That I'll have to give myself. You know, just uh, self-punishment. Nothing like it. Uh, There's just also, like, I don't know. Uh, We always always get to this weird thing when something new comes out and it's trying to be progressive, which everybody wants because if you just have, like, straight people as, like, the main focus, everybody's going to mention it anyways. So when you do put, like a diverse cast and you detract from the source material it's very noticeable um but then it also kind of intensifies everything around it like you see in this trailer alone you see like multiple instances of like uh gay relationships in the background in this high school so is that like going to be a consistent thing throughout the whole show where I don't know. It just kind of like puts a. Not a it, I don't. I think all of that is secondary to the simple matter of this doesn't look good. It's not. It fails at whatever it's trying to achieve because it doesn't feel like it achieves anything. But is this like a vehicle just to be progressive? And well, I think so like because kind of deal. Yeah, I think so because of the first uh, teaser, right? Where. They kind of like preemptively got out in front of the yeah. criticism that it was inevitably going to get, but they thought it was being criticized simply because of the changes they made, not the fact that changes were made to a uh, IP that is a child, a cherished childhood memory of many. <laughs> it, 
Yeah, it's like if you... And, like, even then, even then, right, I feel like the they, people wouldn't have, like, minded. If no, people would have minded. <laughs> that's fair. There are some people who would who would just go off on it no matter what. But um, it was just, like, the cynical... It feels It feels cynical. Yeah. Um, it feels pointless moreover to me. Like I don't understand what what's trying to be done here. Like an irreverent take on Scooby Doo. Again, like you've you've <laughs> you've cut out that, the main piece of that. That feels like thing. a weird sentence in and of itself. Like if I went back to people who watched to any other era where Scooby Doo was coming out and people were watching it, you go, I'm gonna go for an irreverent take on Scooby Doo. They go like, "What do you mean? You just said the same thing twice." Like Scooby Doo is always a fairly silly kind, of, like not a goofy kind of operation, but it w- it was at least partially comedy. It was silly, yeah. Always... There's there's always comedy in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it was basically a it's a kid show, and there's like slapstick humor and you know all the different gags with going through the doors and. Mm-hmm. You know what you know what this feels like to me? This feels like someone did a reboot of Scooby Doo with the mindset of no one has watched. They watched it when they were kids and no Scooby Doo as media has just come out at all in the intervening years. And everyone who watched it has like a a weird false idea of what the show was. When like cuz I've seen that I feel like we've seen that with other things. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't. I'm bad at naming examples. I don't know when Mystery Inc. went off the air. Makes me of like maybe I think of like the Baywatch, right? Where they took the you know, Baywatch was a thing that people kind of I re, kind of remember watching that, and then no, you know, no Baywatch media came out until in the intervening years, and then they made the reboot movie and kind of um, lampooned it. This feels kind of like that to me, except. There's been Scooby Doo stuff coming out all the time. Yeah. Like on a regular basis. Like Mystery Inc. was was like I feel lauded as like a as a good really good series. And that came out like I don't know, three, four like five years ago. Yeah, it was fairly recent. And then you had the movie Scoop came out which, in twenty twenty. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that was more geared towards kids. I I, I think as and we'll start probably. But as an adult, do you feel like this is something you want to watch? No, probably because it's. I, I mean, it's just simply the writing is there. I like the concept of like an adult Scooby Doo that would be like a, a edgy comedy. I think that would work. I think that can mm. work. It just seems like the writing and the jokes are really bad, and they took the back burner to find the most progressive cast and and uh, mm. progressive ideas that they can for a show. And they took Mindy Kaling, who's kind of on the on the up and up. She like hit a peak and then kind of mellowed out a little bit. But I think her career is firmly on the downswing. <laughs> uh, I think she's on like a bunch of background projects right now. I I don't know. I don't know what she's come I, out with I certainly recently. Think that she gets a lot of work. She definitely she gets does. a lot of work, but it's work that like so she gets a lot of her stuff made, but she's the only one that like makes stuff for herself. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, let's, uh, let's take a quick detour. Uh, and she did have the Mindy, Mindy Project, um, which lasted That was for the big thing I remember. That was the recent one. She had Late which Night. She did wrote... she have her own Late Night show, I guess? Uh, no, Late Night was a movie oh, that she wrote for herself to star. Yeah. <laughs> Writer on 12. Oh, wait. Here we go. Writer. So... Oh, uh, she did the morning show, but probably four, only four like weddings and a funeral. <sighs> yeah, the the Mindy Project is just the big one I remember. Yeah, um, but she was well, she was on the office. office. That's where she got her yeah, start, yeah. right? Um, and then I think after that she transitioned into the Mindy Project. Well, she mm-hmm. created that mm-hmm. for herself. She got it made, credit to her. Well, but... it lasted five five years at least. I don't know how many. So here's some of the stuff she's in. She's been in, like, um, all right, let's see, Wreck-It Ralph, Inside Out, uh, This is the End, um, The Mindy Project, A Wrinkle in Time, Ocean's 8, um, and then some other... Uh, a little, a, bo- a bunch of these are, like, bit yeah. parts, though. Yeah, I, I mentioned yeah. this to you before, but this the show kind of just has a metallic-y taste of like something that was just pushed off of a production line that you know maybe she does have the the writing credits, but was forced to go in certain ways. Uh, it also could just be her being. This bad feels at very her brand of humor, though. I don't know. Mm. I don't think so. I I, I think this. Screams I don't think she's all that... I can't say. <laughs> I I, ha- I have to imagine there's some sort of the awareness to the point where you can't just throw out constant garbage and accept it to go very long, especially now where people are are looking at animated shows like they're nothing and canceling them. I mean, Netflix is canceling shows left and right, and I'm sure all other production companies are going to be doing the same thing unless it is no, an incident. They kept hit. the big mouth. Especially Warner Brothers Discovery, which is broke shit. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, um, when you have when Glenn, because uh, Netflix I should also is... mention, yeah, Glenn Howerton is also on the writer team for this. Well, he's. I think that might just be like he, he's he's the voice of Fred, which is basically Dennis. So maybe he writes the lines for Fred, but I don't I don't think he has too much input on the overall writing. Or maybe he's not a very good writer. Max, the guy who writes Always Sunny, so. Yeah, I, I or or these are just things that like are weird things that that sound good on paper, and then when I, they I, animate it, it doesn't. And maybe they're not. I mean, this is also Mindy Kaling's first attempt at doing something in animation, um, as in you know, like producing something, producing something in animation. Is she even a producer? Uh, maybe I don't. I don't know. But I mean, putting something out there that is. I mean, she's definitely taking ownership of a lot of it. Um, and a lot of the stuff, I think, you know, might work well on a uh, on uh, in the writer's room, but doesn't she work is a well pro- Executive producer. Okay, executive producer. Not so to make excuses this... for shit is shit. And I well, think yeah, there's no shit. But no, this is like, this is exactly like a lot of these kinds of shows that have come out direct to streaming where the writers I'm sure think it's hilarious but it's only funny to them sure I mean that happens like all the time which is 
a tough part about comedy. SNL has countless stories of how they were writing something and dying on the writer's room floor, but when they went to it's put it on at night, they're all on trucks. Well, it just it just completely deprived. bombed, and they got they got nothing out mm. of it. Or one that they weren't even sure about putting out, but they kept breaking character because they were laughing when they were acting it out. So you know, when you... I think we wasted a lot of breath on a show that didn't deserve half yeah. of it. Uh, sum it up: sometimes you're a sometimes you're a Harley Quinn animated series. And sometimes you're a Star Trek First Contact animated series. Yeah. That's I a good think point. This is leading more towards the latter. They're all pretty bad. Um, Harley Quinn is not bad. I didn't like it. <sighs> you two liked it a lot more than I did. Well, I did enjoy it, man. I. What does it feel like to just taste salt all the time? I have plenty of you shows have, that I love. Do you and enjoy. Act, I mean, is your palate that? De- no, I have a very refined. Did palette. you burn your mouth before you watched it? Like it? No. Did you take the it menu was, that? It was seriously? like okay. It was like, but I, I, you guys definitely liked it a lot more than I did. Kurt, I would not hold I mean, it up as an example I mean, of great work. Kurt, like, are you even there, God? It's me, Margaret. Yeah, um, I am God. That's the takeaway from there. Um, <laughs> It's weird because, like, I just a few days ago made a joke to this effect, and uh, here is this young woman coming of age story produced by Lionsgate, the the company you would expect to handle this, you know. See the uh, yeah the you know the very sensitive and heartwarming uh, story here. Well, g- good on them for. Uh, for you know branching out (laughs) that's fair and i mean it looks it looks fine yeah i'm i the uh judy bloom book is very popular has been for ever um and this looks like a is that a young adult kind of novel it's like uh i guess but it's like really young like i'd say it's more for like preteens okay so it's not it was something you you would read in school yeah or, uh, when you were of school age okay yeah so like i would say like third fourth grade is when a lot of the girls would would be reading judy bloom gotcha hmm. all right so um and she yeah, wrote a ton is, of books yeah. this is one of her more famous ones um mm-hmm. and this looks like a fairly faithful adaptation it's got a pretty good cast too you got rachel mcadams you got kathy bates uh child actress who i've never seen anything from but she didn't seem bad this is like her debut yeah she doesn't yeah, she seemed okay it seems like something. you can get a lot of kid actors that are going to be like making their name from this and you know you're gonna see oh so. this character from this actor from are you there god it's me margaret you know, maybe they'll have a breakout role sure yeah. i uh yeah so They'll you'll read the book and then they'll they'll put the movie on in in class. I I don't think that this is a movie they're gonna put on in class. <laughs> it definitely yeah, it'll have <laughs> yeah, for, definitely for like younger audiences. It, the I thought it kind of was more geared towards like um like not not necessarily PG but like maybe even PG thirteen, even though it's about like teens. I don't know. I know how weird people can get about. I don't know when Turning Red came out, and that was yeah. What geared, was that rated? That was that was, that PG. was PG, right? Yeah, yeah. But that was like geared towards these preteen ages, and uh, 
don't know. Adults got weird about their kids watching something about teaching them about, uh, um, you know, puberty and and <laughs> hormones and periods and like, and it was uh, they got all weird about it. It's like let the movies and books do the work for you. Do you really <laughs> oh, want to okay. sit down? Let and... the media raise your child. <laughs> yeah. What What are you complaining about? You don't got to talk to them about this shit. What are you, you going to yeah, tell them the opposite? No, cool. you're fucking strange for bleeding out your cooch. I mean, that is pretty fucking uh, accurate, though. Like, <laughs> I never got the talk. I just kind of picked things up and yeah. we were, I knew what I was, I was doing. Ra- we were raised amongst catalogs. I was raised on <laughs> the internet. Yeah, I, I mean, hell. I found out what Ookie Cookie was the hard way, you know? It happens to the best of us. Sometimes it's got. You, you also watched Pizza Time, Jake. <laughs> Who hasn't huh? clicked the Metaspin <laughs> link? <laughs> We've all been there. Sailed, sailed on the high goat seas. Yeah, everybody, everybody's like, "What's wrong with this generation?" It's like we were given unfettered access to the we internet. We had to the early stages of the internet when we were still figuring that shit out. <laughs> there were like beheadings, like thrown up there willy nilly, and. You know, the whole internet was like what 4chan is now. Adults didn't know what Live Leak was. They didn't know what the Pain Olympics were. Okay. (laughs) They were just people, one person and one object, multiple something person, something object videos going on. They're all crazy like. I gotta. I, I'm out of touch with it with the youth now. Do kids even know what Two Girls One Cup is? Probably not. I mean, they probably heard. I remember when that. I remember when that first day, that first like hit the media, hit the mainstream. Yeah, Yeah. that penetrated the zeitgeist. I was, I was scarring all my friends with that video. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, and then, seven, eight years later, when the one I missed, (laughs) one guy, one cup, like somehow resurfaced in college. Yeah, one jar Um, resurfaced in college. Thanks, Dave. (laughs) <laughs> appreciate that one didn't need to see that well i that's, that's yeah someone tried movie. to get me to watch that i was like absolutely not <laughs> the sounds enough we'll uh we'll send you through a spiral so yes your kids are ready for <laughs> for for reading judy bloom your kids are more resilient than you think <laughs> you're the parent you should know you drop them Oh, every this movie's parent. been this trying guy, uh, to. Uh, so I saw all this stuff and I turned out fine. <laughs> yeah, I've got. I mean, I'm not going to say the I don't skeletons have in my closet get their calcium every day. We're all good here. <laughs> I mean, I've got some issues, but I've overall I'm fine. That wasn't the internet's fault, right? <laughs> no. Well, there, yeah, not not acutely. There, there's some other stuff there. Mm. Um, I cannot find uh, the MPAA. I don't think has rated it yet. I, I spent okay. all that time looking for a rating. Uh, nothing. Well, it's gone. If you show this to your kid and their name is Bo, and he turns out to be afraid, hey, that's not on us. But it's on this what movie. is on us is Bo is afraid. A uh, new movie by Ari Aster. Um, I. I'm not going to spend much time on it because I don't even know what the fuck's going on. I just know the guy, this old it's guy, shit, yeah. is getting a call from his mom. He's going to go visit her. He lives in this world that's very dangerous, but I'm sure mm-hmm. we're seeing it from his perspective. And he's like a um, 
like a hypochondriac, uh, hypochondriac. Kind of guy. yeah yeah it's got to be some allegory for mental illness it's yeah yeah it gets it gets trippy throughout the uh throughout the movie they they do some animated scenes some costume mm-hmm. stuff there's Nathan Lane radiating peak dad energy uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh it's got a good cast though I, I'm, I'm liking that so uh looks you know artsy fartsy uh but might have a cool twist now Ari Aster is a guy who did like Midsummer and Hereditary. yeah he directed a movie called Bo in 2011 uh it's, it's a, a short sequel I, I'm, I'm trying to look I mean it might be okay so Bo is a seven minute short film um, and here's the synopsis. See if see if this checks out. A neurotic middle-aged man's trip to visit his mother is delayed indefinitely when his keys are mysteriously taken from his door. He is subsequently haunted by an increasingly sinister chain of upsetting events. Although it's not made apparent in the film, it should be said that Bo once used a Ouija board. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. No. So. Okay. This is this is just like the expansion of his his original like yes, it's the realization of his uh, original vision here. I think. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that's always good to see from someone who's done good work, you know. And usually, they it's not like the transcendent experience that everyone hopes it will be in these cases, but it's usually pretty good. A lot of the times, and I can speak from experience on this as as someone who's put stuff out on on film before um nothing anyone will have ever seen but um no, you have this fondness to some of your um original works and you're like yeah I should remake this or yeah I should like you know put some money and and try to like make this be all that it could be when in reality the concept isn't as strong as you you feel it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see if uh, Take Out Thunderbird can can really drive it home. Yeah. Take yeah. Out Thunderbird. Wa- uh, Walking Phoenix. Uh, I was I was call him Walking. I don't like Walk. I don't like his name. Um, Walk Walking Phoenix seems, would be a sweet name. I mean, he was great in Joe Carr, um, and I guess he found <laughs> some free time between that and Joker too. So. Uh, we'll see how he Walking. is. This. We'll see if Trevor. Joaquin Phoenix is the mind goblin. He the the one thing and this is this is not gonna like affect anybody and you know whatever. Uh, this looks crazy. He looks crazy similar to uh, my mom's best friend's husband, um, who was at the wedding, and like I just see him in every scene. And I'm like Joe or Jim. Jim, is that you? <laughs> Uh, so that's a little side note from me. Briefly, you, see, you see his face in like in like window panes. I was like, "What are you doing we'll, here?" <laughs> we'll briefly uh, touch upon Ant Man and the Wasp final trailer. Uh, we get 19 frames of Modok. Yeah, Modok and his baby. And that's that's about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got a little bit of uh, some Kang stuff. Uh, you know he's probably gonna kill Ant Man. This just be warned. Uh, nice little wrap up to our our Ant Man story, and uh, you know mm-hmm. maybe we'll see how it connects to the Shang Chi rings. Lu, he reveals he reveals his first name is Lu. Lu Kang. <laughs> Good old Lewis Kang. The uh, yeah, that's trailers. Yeah. 
Um, trailers. Let's move now to lay follow up. Um, and here's a look at weekend one box office covering January 6th through the 8th of 2023. Avatar, Way of the Water, still on top in first place in its fourth week, uh, down 32%. Um, so not a huge drop off. It somehow managed to open in 138 more theaters. Doesn't seem like that should have been possible, but here we are. Um, Every single device capable of showing video in America. Yeah, got more some more pop up theaters or something. Um, one point seven five two billion. So it was at one point five billion last week. Um, it mm-hmm. seems like it's slowing down a little bit. Um, we'll see. I, last week I was very confident it hit the two billion. Now I, I'm sure it'll eventually get there, but I think it might might take a while and i'm i think it it's kind of troubling that a movie like megan could open in seconds so close to its total um as other movies that yeah people want to see open avatar might struggle to retain relevance and and megan might put up a good fight for the second week um it's probably unlikely but um, I, I have heard a lot of good buzz around Megan, and that movie has been advertised out the tits. It is it is everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, they really pushed the adverts on that. Which I mean, it, it worked out for week one. Like yeah, a strong opening. And a side note on this, like it's really interesting how, um, just to overview, like it's interesting how January and February have kind of become the secondary season for horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there it, were a fair, there were a couple horror trailers that we didn't talk about. Um, I think it's just week. an easy way to plug a hole in your release calendar. Mm-hmm. They, they're pretty quick to make. They're not very expensive to make. And if you market it correctly, you can make a lot of money. Right. Yeah. I'd like to go back and look at some, like random movies here and there that might have been released in January and February that may have gotten was, was like Saw think, always uh, a Halloween release? It felt like I don't it. know yes. about Saw, but I know a couple years ago, like uh, the, the Curse of La Yeronia, the Bye Bye Man. Yeah, I think these were um, well, those were all January movies. Blum, just Blumhouse stuff, yeah. In general, well, that's all Blumhouse puts out. <laughs> that's an all the year thing for Blumhouse. Yeah. Oh, what was I watching? I think, I think Vengeance, the movie we're reviewing today, was produced by Jason Blum or something like that. He had some credit on it. Yeah, Blumhouse was in the opening credits for the movie, so they were involved with that too. Branching out. Um, yeah. yeah, speaking of Megan, Megan. Yeah, Megan bringing in thirty. It's Megan all over everything. For two million dollars in thirty five hundred theaters, eight thousand per theater average take for Universal Studios. Uh, another Universal Studios movie, some own goal action here. Uh, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, uh, very strong week over week numbers, only down nineteen and a half percent despite leaving two hundred theaters. Good enough for thirteen and a half million dollars. That brings its worldwide total to two hundred and four million dollars. That's got some more than I would have predicted. Yeah, I, I I guess it matches. Like the I think the 
I think the positive reviews and the word of mouth actually did something for the. Well, I th- uh, it's interesting to me because I think yes, it is. Um, it is available uh, on demand. It was day and date on demand, but it is uh, like you got to pay um, twenty five bucks for it. Was one of those. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the price right now. I don't know why. Oh, there's an AMC in Saratoga Springs. That's interesting. <laughs> time to revive that pass. Well, it's not worth the trip up to Saratoga Springs every time I want to see a movie for the better deal that is no. Stubbs A list. <laughs> I mean, uh, that does make sense for the area, though. Yeah. Um, uh, and in fourth, in its second week, hitting a wider release, still not really a wide release. So I think this bodes very well for. Um, the general interest in this movie. Um, a Man Called Otto jumping up into fourth with $4.2 million up. I, I always <laughs> love the the relative increase on these. Yeah, 7.3,000%. Uh, but still only in 637 theaters. So that's a 6,500 6, per theater take. That's That's respectable. I think that shows real interest in this movie. And... Um, we're gonna go and hear from some some real reviewers to see why that might be the case. Some some people called reviewers. Yeah, we got some real reviewers. We got all our friends in the IMDb uh, user review section. They're not actually our friends because these people are incapable of friendships. No. Um, they're too dedicated to their work. Um, critically, bit of a mixed mixed positive bag. Uh, it's got a 69% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 7.4 out of 10 IMDb, uh, a 4.5 audience rating on Google. Um, so um, some pretty scattered reception, but overall positive, it would seem. But none of that matters, because as you all know, the only people that matter in this world are the people who care enough about movies to post on IMDb. And that's right. Boy, are there some real characters on and this our, website. Our enduring chronicle. Yeah, yeah. We're we're really charting the human genome here. Um It's the four it's right, it's the four uh bases. I M D and B. Twenty three and IMD. <laughs> like they whatever. zoomed in on my you know, they zoomed in on the chromosomes instead of the double helix. It was just a film reel, <laughs> twisted. <gasps> we knew it. <laughs> Our theories were correct. Uh, and and who better? Who better than off? Cam Cook to start us off here? I love it when it's just like a regular ass name. <laughs> Some dude. Um, ten out of ten. Hilarious, emotional, gripping. I didn't watch a trailer before seeing this. I haven't read the book. And I didn't see the original A Man Called Ove film from 2016. This film resonated with me more than any other film I've seen. When I see films at the cinema, I'm usually leaving, talking to my partner about details of the film and what she thought. But today, I left in silence and almost in shock of how much emotion, darkness, and truth was in the story. I laughed. I cried. I'm inspired. The performances from the leads are all excellent. The carefully placed comedic and emotional scenes complement each other perfectly. And the writing, direction, and cinematography. Ding, 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 ding. Got a a winner, baby. 
were all executed so well, you feel like a fly on the wall of a documentary. Thank you to everyone who worked on this film for their pure artistry, from the director, director of photography, and actors, to the runners, PAs, and craft services. Thank you. I'm so glad you, you went you went for the Obama at the end there. <laughs> 19 out of 29. I'd like to... Uh, I was doing, uh, I was doing like a hybrid of, of Obama and Plankett there. <laughs> that was... That was well, the yeah, goal. J- Side note, Jake just discovered Red Letter Media this week. It's, he's gone, I'm sure he's gone through a fucking epiphany. It's uh, it's really cool. You should check them out. They're uh, this hot new this little, thing. This little found. YouTube channel. Yeah, little YouTube mm-hmm. channel. I, 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 just, I just discovered they're not putting a whole lot out, and they don't have a whole lot in the catalog. They review no. a couple movies here and there. Um, very very recent and they're, they're they're quick little bits you know if you got a you know an hour and a half bite size so. yeah yeah uh big bites <laughs> that's right um i forgot how what i started watching them on anyways some, i think it was star wars it's got to be star wars content right that's i was too busy to read that text chain <laughs> uh yeah it might have been it might have been star wars i know i've watched a lot of their star wars stuff that's why i got like all crazy on one, but I watched some review. I forgot what it was. Might have been like their top movies of 2023. Good background listening. Um, anyways, I'm gonna do my best or worst. I'll let you decide at home. Best of the worst. Uh, Swedish <laughs> slash Viking accent. Watch a man called Uv instead um, by Obadienchen. Uh. A man called Uva was a great movie. It didn't need a U.S. remake. Tom Hanks is a great actor. I'm this all over the place. But he's not grumpy enough. If Americans can read subtitles, remake the movie with the original exact plot. No, it's fucking You gotta harness my inner Ding Durgan. As in set in Sweden, the best jokes were were all destroyed. They missed the rivalry between Saab and Volvo. (laughs) This hybrid nonsense is not the same. Odd that the clown was girl in the Swedish version. Uv was also doesn't get arrested, etc. Why not leave it as Oven too? Not Otto. That's German. <laughs> Stalin's God's God would have made a good main character instead. They did stay true to some of the story, which was at least good, but they did manage to spoil all the main jokes. 7 out of 17 found that helpful. I uh you got through it. I think there's there's probably some insight in there, but I could not permeate that uh accent <laughs> look all these one on the tens are gonna be the same fucking thing they're just it wasn't as good as the original why was it tom hanks oh i want swedish man because walter Matthau is dead <laughs> <laughs> he's got a yeah now that there's no walter Matthau in the hive the metamorphosis begins and we have uh this is what we have now just like we have this uh five out of ten from i am sieg uh, we got this five out of ten. Bland, unoriginal. Sorry, but it 
honestly didn't touch me. The bad. Tom Hanks is being miscast as a depressed, grumpy old man. It is not his inherent usual Tom Hanks charisma. And even worse, he does not perform this grumpy character very well. Not terrible, it's still Tom Hanks performing, but it's rather one-dimensional and not credible, unfortunately. More bad, this story is so predictable, and it's so politically correct. You'll understand what I mean by that if you decide to see it, and there is no spark or punch. Bummer. I have absolutely loved many other movies by this brilliant director, Mark Foster, but this one didn't touch me much at all. Not bad, just rather bland and going through the motions. The story? Tom Hanks is depressed and alone and grumpy and old and he wants to kill himself. New neighbors liven up his life to such a degree that he finds joy in life again. Yawn. 8 out of 18 found that helpful. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he seemed a little preoccupied with uh, the fact that the movie didn't touch him. Uh, he does realize that that's not typically a thing that a movie can can do. It's, t- it's t- touching all over. It's touching all over. Just uh, the movie didn't touch me. Really, I feel like he's a guy who went to this movie with like a date and was upset that the popcorn trick didn't work, and he's <laughs> trying to like make that a euphemism in this review. <laughs> yeah, this movie didn't touch me at all. Man, I really Boy. wish this movie would have touched me. All right, um, from James Cameron. James James Malathran Grace. I okay. Um yeah. Uh James. We'll call him James. Ten out of ten, man called Otto. Rush back to home to check IMDB. After viewing, I rushed home to check IMDB and was shocked to see reviews of one and what one comma one and five <laughs> after reading those reviews it was mm-hmm. plain to see they were comparing the old to the new and had no effect on my thoughts about the movie <laughs> okay good do your own man <laughs> i loved it what a way to start 2023 tom hanks was sensational playing a part that he normally doesn't play the majority of the comedy was coming from his co-stars marina trevino was gorgeous in her role and brought light to a very dark subject the way the story was told allowed the viewer to guess what was going on and match their thoughts to a real story or to the real story when the story is finally revealed i guarantee g-a-r-u-n-t-e-e guarantee 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 you will shed a tear well done, Tom, and the rest of the cast. I have 16. Found that helpful. It's the Charles Barkley review. I guarantee you're going to shed a tear. I guarantee it. One out of ten from the book of Sean Patrick's, chapter 518, verse 150,814. Been a while since from we the, had a Bible verse on this year. From the, right from the 5182. Not <laughs> awesome at all. <laughs> 
Please don't. I could channel my. I will take. We'll be here all night. Forever. Jake's uh, <laughs> about to deliver the fucking homily of the night. We're trying to go through this. <laughs> the original is by far more superior than this wannabe remake. Perhaps it is. it was the casting of Hanks that made the remake not good. I haven't liked anything he's been in since Road to Perdition 2002. Cloud Atlas 2012 was a great movie, but I didn't feel his role in it did it much justice. I Every loved- 10 years a movie comes out. I, I, every 10 years, Tom Hanks is something good. I love the original movie, and I thought it, I would give this a try, but nope, just not for me. And I just can't connect with his character. It just doesn't work. Totally a forgettable film, which makes me appreciate the original even more. However, if you are a Tom Hanks fan with limited range in life as his acting, you'll probably enjoy this. Do yourself a favor. And watch the original. 19 out of 53 found that helpful. Dude, this director, Mark Foster, I, I looked him up after uh, the touch movie didn't touch mm-hmm. me guy. Um, what a strange filmography this man has as a director. What's he got? Uh, everything put together, Monster's Ball, Finding Netherland, Stay, Stranger Than Fiction, The Kite Runner, Quantum of Solace, LX-40, Machine Gun Preacher, World War Z, uh, all I see is you, the receipt lost and found, Christopher Robin, and a man called Otto. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Not a lot of these were were good. <laughs> <laughs> He's just kind of wandering around. But some of Hollywood. them actually were quite good. Like I, a Stranger Than Fiction was really good. Um, mm-hmm. I never saw that the one kite also had Tom Hanks, didn't it? Um, no, Will Ferrell was the Will lead Ferrell. in that one. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah. Will Ferrell, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Dustin Hoffman. Um. Should we go back and watch that? Yeah, we should. It's not a bad one. Um. Yeah. Wild. Um. What's even more wild? So we have this six out of ten review on January sixth from Ferguson Six. He's here. Triple Holy six is overload. It's the mark of the beast. <laughs> it's, he's at his most powerful. So I have to. I was. I was with the slim pickings on these reviews. I was almost ready to suggest something else, but I saw this and like you can't. You Peter, cannot. I want you to realize before you read this review that this feels like some sort of a like it feels like the stars have aligned on an occult ritual and you might summon Ferguson six into your apartment. So just be prepared. Okay. It sounds like a cat. It, does, kind of it doesn't, it, it never, it never hurts when his first line of every review is greetings again from the darkness. It's because he just sits in a dark room all day watching movies. He <laughs> is Cthulhu, the dark Lord. Um, regardless, his six out of 10 review, people do change. Greetings again from the darkness. Grumpy people are everywhere these days. In fact, two-time Oscar winner and all-around likable guy Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump, Philadelphia, uh, may be the only one who catches us off guard when he's grumpy. Here, Hanks plays Otto, the neighborhood curmudgeon who patrols the community daily drenched in full-fledged annoyance over topics like pets, recycling, traffic, and parking. In fact, Otto is annoyed by most people and just about everything they do. And these days, who amongst us isn't? 
This film is an American remake of the Oscar-nominated Swedish film A Man Called Ova, 2015. Ove. 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 Uh, Which featured a terrific titular performance from Rolf Lasgard. Both films have been adapted from Frederick Backman's novel A Man Called Ove, with writer-director Hannes Holm behind the 2015 version, and screenwriter David McGee, Life of Pi, 2012, and director Mark Forster driving this one. Mr. Forrester has previously directed some interesting and diverse movies, including Monsters Ball, 2001, Finding Neverland, 2004, Stranger Than Fiction, 2006, <laughs> The Kite Runner, 2007, <laughs> Quantum of Solace, 2008, World War Z, 2013, and Christopher Robin, 2018. Man, well, he's on the wavelength, baby. He's with us, and he—is he in the room with me? Is that—is that, is that you? <laughs> um, we join Otto on his morning rounds, and that's when we witness his constant annoyance on display, while also meeting some of his neighbors, like Jimmy, the friendly power walker, played by Cameron Britton, as well as the ultra-friendly new neighbors, very pregnant Marisol, Mariana Trevino, and her husband Tommy. Manuel Garcia Rufo, um, and their herd of young kids. There is also Otto's estranged friend Ruben, Peter Lawson Jones, who is now very sick. His wife Anita, Juanita Jennings, and Malcolm, MacBida, a local boy whose parents kicked him out because he's transgender. Malcolm has a connection to Otto's late wife, and it's her passing that has not only caused Otto's personality to shift into grump mode, but also pushed him to explore ways to join her in a better place, although he can't quite manage the next step. Marisol is really the major force in the story, as her unrelenting friendliness and persistence in connecting with Otto slowly breaks down his defense as he finds a reason to live. Director Forrester uses flashbacks to help us understand Otto's background. Hank's own son, Truman Hanks, plays him as a young Otto, hmm. while Rachel Keller, Rachel Keller portrays a young Sonia, the girl that wins his heart. A devastating personal tragedy can certainly impact a person to the point where their personality and outlook changes. However, we also see how a positive influence, here with Mari Soul, can help pull someone out of a dark emotional hole. Tom Hanks, coming off his roles as Colonel Tom Parker in Elvis, and Geppetto in Pinocchio, is so familiar to moviegoers that it's comical to see him go full grump, although it should be noted that he's more Walter Matthau in Bad News Bears or Grumpy Old Men, 1976 I mean, do I know what I'm talking about? All right, I got a confession on Ferguson 6. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 this is the reveal. It's the face reveal. Um, he's more Walter Matthau in these than he is Clint Eastwood in Clint Eastwood growling, get off my lawn, in Gran Torino, 2008. I love that movie. The old racist man's the hero. <laughs> ah, powerful. Um, in other words, despite some similarities to About Schmidt, 2002, the film is never quite as dark as it portends, even with Otto's congenital heart issue and the redevelopment threats from the perfectly named Die in America real estate company. This is designed and presented as a sentimental mainstream film that is easily relatable, and it will undoubtedly have that appeal. Opens in theaters January 6th, 2023. Four out of five. Underappreciated. The man 
is he ahead works of tirelessly. Himself. He does. He does. He works. He works so hard. He works so hard Big for his ferg. money. Props um, to the Ferg. Props to the Ferg. He's fer- He's Fergus. He's Fergalicious. <laughs> um, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever finds itself in fifth with three point five million dollars in its ninth week. When in Houston, I want to dance with somebody. Uh, is dropping down here uh, two spots, finding itself in sixth. Uh, in its third week, two point four million dollars for that. The Whale. Uh, continues the rollout to more and more theaters. Um, Darren Aronofsky's latest movie. Um, we learned recently that this was a Darren Aronofsky movie after I watched Requiem for a Dream and saw it on his IMDb mm-hmm. page. I'm less excited about this movie now. Um, but that went up 9.4% in 212 more theaters. Uh, Babylon finds itself in eighth, down three spots um, in its third week out of 970 theaters, so they're pushing this one out. Um, yep. I'll watch this one at home, but I was not going to go and watch a three-hour, nine-minute movie after watching Avatar so recently. Go watch it on, get drunk and watch it on Paramount+. Plus. $14 million domestically, $761 internationally. <laughs> Shout out to the one theater that fucking had that showing. Yeah. The one night, probably, too. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of nights, Violent Night, in more than one night, in its sixth week. It's still in, like, 2,000 theaters. Like, we're way People past just, the Christmas crazy. wave that what, it was riding. Side Who's, note, what's your what's your all's Christmas cutoff? Oh, when when I, does the Christmas season end? When does the holiday season end for you? And you're like, it's back to real life. At like first week, end of the first week of January. Yeah, I'm probably the same. I'm stretching it right now because we still got all lights up. So mm-hmm. we haven't had a chance to. Trees I down. I had to fucking pull that tree. I had to like fucking deadlift this tree up through the small hole <laughs> that leads to my attic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought, you know what? You fooled me. I thought it was a natural tree. No, it's God, fake man. as shit. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I missed that one. Them, um, them yeah, fake no, trees I always, are are good. They're, they're, I, they look. I yes. would prefer a real tree because then I would just have to throw it out on the street and not have to fucking deadlift it while oh, precariously but... balanced in my attic. <laughs> and I gotta clean it up, and you you, you risk bringing in Christmas those, spiders. Yeah, and... Kurt, you gotta sweep all those needles off the ground from your <laughs> fake tree. Yeah, no, it's always it for me. It's like it's specifically the fifth because I have a family family member's birthday that day. Mm. But yeah, the, um, yeah, it's, I, I'm gonna keep the lights. I'm not gonna keep them like in the window. I'm gonna move them around because now I have like lights and I can I can submit my apartment to r slash cozy places because yeah. as we all know that it's just pictures of regular houses but they have fairy lights up. Yes. Well, we if... have to decorate for. Uh... Martin Luther King Day, so now we have to get that ready. Put up all of our mm-hmm. decorations for that, and um, our statue of MLK. Jake, let's let's just quit. Well, well, we're not far behind. What? Is it, we're, we're remembering the man. Does, like you have, like Jake, do you have like the Virgin Mary statuette on one side, and you turn it around, and it's MLK. Similar to how we had at our wedding. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we pray to it. You know, I never took a good look at it. The other side, it was yeah. it was a uh, famous uh, civil rights leader. It's actually <laughs> okay. a funny story to that. So, um, 
I get not to get sidetracked, but like after the wedding, like I don't know, we, we just like the priest was like, I got places to be, so he dipped. Um, we were taking pictures with it, and like we were wanted in the background, and he was like, I'm going by, and uh, we left it there. So maybe if he didn't spend so much time on his homily, he wouldn't have been in such a rush to get no, out there. Don't don't get me fucking started with that guy. <laughs> I told him thirty minutes, and he lied. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we wanted that as we wanted the Mary statue as as decoration, and it's his. It, it didn't belong to us. It was it. He brought it. Um, so we're like, well, what do we do with it? <laughs> so <laughs> it was like late at night, and uh, my father in law is like freaking out. He's like, somebody better go outside. Like it, it it's all alone out there. We're like, what the statue? To, He's like, yeah. Take the Virgin Mary down. We when have to it, when the sun goes down. We right? should That's put her it... somewhere. We should. We don't want her there all out, out all night. And I'm like, it's not going anywhere. You realize it's a statue, right? It's what we might call I, an effigy. I <laughs> think he was just concerned that somebody was going to come by and be a, a, a Virgin Mary. Who's going to steal the Virgin Mary? You like, never know. They go for a lot I'm not religious, and I'm pretty sure that would <laughs> like, send me straight to hell. <laughs> yeah, right. It was just the kids. The, there's the, the young hooligans are like, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the virginity. <laughs> so they end oh, she's up not taking, gonna be a virgin when I'm done with her. <laughs> she ended up, she ended up going home with them, and uh, it, it was like kind of corduroy's uh, adventure. Uh, you know, where you take like the stuffed bear and you try mm. to. <laughs> so I went, do, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. They wrote a little story with her, and you know, she visited my my fa- my in laws for a little while, and they eventually dropped her off with a priest. Back home. <laughs> you say dropped off like they just left her on it. Left her on his doorstep. We, well, we went like to a fire a little, department. Little bag. Left it in a luggage. left it in a fire department in a little basket. Fruit had a Waffle House waitress. <laughs> yeah, she ninjas it back at you like a shuriken. <laughs> you gotta watch out for those Waffle House employees. They're man, they they know how to parry. Yeah. Waffle. I would, you know what? <laughs> Waffle House employee uh, sent to hospital with Virgin Mary induced injuries <laughs> is a Florida headline. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was like, only in Florida. <laughs> that that screams Florida very loudly. Yes. Uh, rounding out the top ten here is the menu, which is available on HBO Max. Do not spend money to go to the theater and see it now. Uh, Six hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. I've seen so many TikToks of the menu. I feel like I've already seen it. It's, it's it's pretty good. But yeah, I gotta watch it. it. It looks good. It's not the uh, the world's greatest. It's it's all been spoiled for me for the most part, but um, I'm okay with that. Uh, I, There's I not that. too many surprises, I don't think. But what happens to the girl after she eats the burger? She's the gonna die. Girl. I think she dies in the definitely because that's the theme that's, of that movie. Uh, you're that's actually it. completely wrong. <laughs> She's the only one who doesn't die. <laughs> um, so there is a theory that she does die. Um, well, that theory is wrong. <laughs> well, the burger that she eats is from possibly like tainted meat because they said in the beginning that they dry age their their beef, and if it's left out there for like one extra day, it ha- it gets like the bacteria that'll kill you. And they're theorizing that, like, even though she escaped. He still gave her like tainted meat, and she'll kill, she'll die if she eats it. 
but that I don't know if that's would invalidate the entire purpose of <laughs> the scene. Yeah. So I'm going to go with probably not. <laughs> I think she dies. I think she just dies. I mean, eventually, yes. <laughs> I think she'll die. In about 50 years. <laughs> because of that burger. She wanted a burger. Oh, I got to go watch the men who stare at goats again. <laughs> so good. He died. <laughs> like 25 years. years later of cancer, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the follow-up. Yep, let's talk gaming news briefly. Uh, Steam set a new concurrent user record this week with 33 million people playing games all at once. Wowzers. Or at least online. 10 million people playing at the same time. I don't, I don't know how they tabulate those difference. Okay, so yeah. There were 33 million concurrent users logged into Steam. Eurogamer is reporting that there were 10.2 million people actively playing something on January 8th. For the first time, the platform surpassed 10, minute, 10 million concurrent active users. So PC gaming is growing, despite uh, the GPU <laughs> industry <laughs> being in such a... Sh it's so crazy to look at, like the cpu market and how competitive that is and how there's a lot of really great products that make sense at a variety of budget levels mm -hmm. juxtaposed against the gpu market where it's just a fucking barren wasteland stagnant Starving. Uh, Microsoft yeah. is reportedly planning to invest $10 billion into the creator of ChatGPT and DALI, uh, signaling that they are getting ready to deep dive into AI. Oh, boy. Lord help us. Better than NFTs, I guess. It just reminded me of, like, now everybody's focused on their new AI kind of thing that's coming out. And it just reminds me of, like, when NFT, everybody was all about crazy about NFTs. It's the way of the future. Wanted to introduce those into, the, into video games and whatnot. No, it's kind of fallen by the wayside. So now instead of... Um, <laughs> they've replaced NFTs with code that doesn't work. <laughs> May have repeated myself there. <laughs> uh, Zing! Yeah. Um... High on Life, Rick and, Rick and Morty, and Solar Opposites creator Justin Roiland <laughs> is being charged with felony domestic violence and false imprisonment, also known as kidnapping. <laughs> Locking him in the basement. You know, it happens. He just got he just got was, uh, too into his character. He got uh, he was too into High on Life character. You're telling me that the guy who created the character of Rick Sanchez may have had a violent streak? Nah. Him and Dan Harmon both are, uh, how do I put this delicately, fucking nutcases. So I'm not <laughs> not exactly surprised. I will and say, not, however. And not in the fun way, like Matt, and, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, where they'll just take acid and go to, the, go to their own award show high and dressed up in, like, lady dresses. I will say Dan Harmon had um, one of the better apologies for what he did. Um, and I think a lot of his, even some of his victims, um, that were a part of the sexual assault allegations, 
Uh, oh, I didn't even know he had allegations. I just know he's oh, a fucking oh. nut job from his podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> Dan Harmon was like the first one to like, not the first one, but he was like of the people he would like least expect. Uh, he was one of the big ones that took, got taken down uh, pretty heavily uh, by sexual assault allegations, like got fired, I think, um, because it was in the workplace, I believe, um, and with coworkers that he would put them in really uncomfortable situations and ask them out and to the point where I think like he would use like sex toys on them or something like that in very inappropriate ways. It, it, it got pretty fucked up. Yeah. I was going to say that's super fucked. Well, that sounds um, like a Quentin Tarantino. So apparently if you fall asleep on set in a Tarantino movie as this giant fucking dildo that he'll shove in your face and take a picture of you. Huh? That's good. And yet this man has not been canceled. <laughs> Tar- he just, you just got to make better movies, Dan Harmon. Come on. Um, but yeah, I guess he the way he apologized was like the poster apology of how to apologize. Just So so you've been implicated in an online <laughs> scandal and also criminal I mean, criminal seriously, charges. you can... There, well, there are people on YouTube who have like break, <laughs> broken it down into like step one, got to do this, take accountability. Step two... Acknowledge you have faults. Step three, like apologize to the it's victims like the reverse and dentist focus system. on them. Step four, so what happens you know, when we get caught practicing the first dentist system? How you plan on moving forward? Exactly. Yeah, you could honestly juxtapose the two and be like, so the dentist system failed, and now you have to apologize. Try the Dan method. <laughs> De- Demonstrate accountability. What, what Nintendo Den- <laughs> Genesis Genesis? What Nintendo Genesis? <laughs> the Dan method. Demonstrate Feel like you're having a stroke. <laughs> a apologize to your victims. N and not do it again. No more trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's all done. Just it's disappear over. for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess he had been arrested and got out on a $50,000 bond, was got a restraining order filed against him and a court order to relinquish any firearms in his possession. Good. Does that count the the funny little bug guns he has in uh, uh, as the models for High on Life? I don't know. I just downloaded game with High a on whopping, Life. We'll, uh... With a whopping nine hours of content yeah. that sells for $60. Thanks, Game Pass. Jeez. Get to get to try out that <laughs> without committing to it. <clears throat> All right, and lastly, um, the Borderlands movie. Remember that thing that's coming oh, out? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, Welp, it uh, it's in some hot water. Uh, they're going back no. for reshoots after changing directors late into production. <laughs> That's that can only mean good things. That sentence. <laughs> that's that's always gone so well before. Yeah, I um. Who knew? Well, yeah, who knew that Gearbox may have uh, not made the best uh, narrative experience? Well, I, think... I I went back to play. I was feeling in the mood, so I went back to play Borderlands, um, three again, and man, it is. A lot of talking. Yeah, uh, it was very, very dialogue heavy, more so than the other, other two. They just, they just 
babble on and I'm like, I want to go to the next quest, please. <laughs> please and thank. Let me do shooty. So, yeah. Yeah, that's. So the Deadpool director has uh, taken over and um, they're going back in for reshoots, which sounds an awful lot like Justice League. <laughs> so, um, yep. You know, it had such a, a can't miss cast, including Kevin Hart as Roland. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, kind of doomed from the start, it felt like. But uh, life goes on, just like the show goes on. And we talk about Vengeance, Vengeance. a little movie you probably forgot about because it didn't have a long theatrical run, but it's coming to Amazon Prime on the 16th of this month so you got that going it's already mm. on peacock oh is it okay yeah peacock? that's where yeah, that's where i watch it peacock poppycock Mr. Uh, poppycock <laughs> yes bj novak is the fanatic bj novak famous for being i think the character's name is ryan on the office yeah yeah and very little else uh, yeah, he does a lot of sets out. Well, did he do writing? I think he did writing um, for The Office as well. Well, he wrote this movie. Okay. This is his, I believe, his de- directorial debut. Uh, he's the writer director of this movie okay. um, and star. So he's mm. Tommy Wiseau in it. <laughs> <laughs> Just hot Wiseau in it. Um, yeah, in this movie. Uh, it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. I I think it uh, kind of had ebbs and flows to how interesting it was. And mm-hmm. it did not peak at... It, it did not go out on, at the peak of that. Yeah. Um, I I think what the, the thing is for me, like, this is... It solidly lands in the mid-category for me. And I think what what stopped me from enjoying it more was that it felt like, I don't know, it just felt like it was kind of trying to go in two directions. One being like a, a kind of dry comedy kind of deal. Um, and then on the other hand, trying to be a like a heartwarming drama kind of thing or like a, a, um, a kind of an indie drama kind of feeling. Um, and... I think it leaned more towards the drama than towards the comedy. Um, and I, I think it just, it's, it's there. It just needed to, for me, I wanted it to be a little tighter. Yeah. I will say that I think the more interesting part of the movie wasn't like, I don't want to say it was it wasn't the main part because I think the the major like progression point is the uh, the podcast he's doing, and I think some of the sort of meta textual uh, elements of the um, like analyzing the the differences between the different parts of the country and and you know kind of realizing some some truths about uh us as a as a whole 
country and you know you know we're not so different we just have you know different uh situations we're in and all that and you know kind of the culture shock fish out of water stuff all that was really good but at the end of the movie it became kind of like oh we got to wrap up this mystery and we don't really do it in a super satisfying way and then the main character does something that's pretty out of character um and it it kind of sucks because I was really enjoying the movie up to that point, and like I can forgive it. I'd still recommend this movie to someone because um, it does a lot of things really well. I just feel like it kind of misses the payoff. But the cast is really good. The acting is uh, superb. Every sure. everyone I, brings it. Yeah, that that that's probably what surprised me the most. Was the was the acting a lot of a lot of you know not greatly well known. I mean the. Two main people who you know is uh, uh, Ashton Kutcher and B.J. Novak, who honestly, I mean, those are the two main people who do put on a pretty good performance. Hey, no Boyd Holbrook. The, but the supporting people were uh, were excellent. Um, I, I think the thing that caught me off guard because it was a pretty good watch um, was kind of the jostling around when they when they do all the twists. They they kind of lead you down one path to say, okay here's what the twist is probably going to be and they lead you towards it and then they kind of do pull it in that way and then they jerk it back the other way and then they jerk it back the other way um like all all within like the last 10 20 minutes of the movie um yeah. you're kind of put through two loop-de-loops of of uh, uh critical decisions that could leave the movie either in a pretty okay satisfying or a oh i maybe i liked it the other way because like i i saw where you were going with it the other way it almost feels it almost feels like as he was writing it he had like four different endings to it yeah and he couldn't decide which one he liked best and tried to incorporate elements from all of them it's like it's like i got i'm at the end of cyberpunk right now and I understand there's multiple different endings to it. Imagine, mm-hmm. I just imagine this is how it would be if I got to do all the endings to Cyberpunk in one playthrough. Which, and, uh, I mean, while we're while while we're around the subject, which ending did you are you going for? Uh, I mean, I went with Corpo as the as the thing, and then uh, I don't know, I didn't ask for help, so I kind of went with uh, uh, you know, solo. And then also, mm-hmm. um, I got rid of Johnny, and um, I went. I got sent back to Earth. I guess. I guess that's the. I didn't get put oh. in the. Yeah. In like in the test chamber. I don't know if I like my ending. <laughs> yeah, I ending so like one. my ending. I did the uh, go with going with Pan Am and the uh, <laughs> the armadillos. Yeah. Um, and. Um, like the ending itself was fine and and fairly satisfactory, but like the as the credits are rolling, kind of like the cutscenes were like super fucking depressing. <laughs> oh, I, I get know. that. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's a it's a much better, not not a better story. It's a different story than Vengeance. I guess. Be, oh. He 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 chooses the nomad ending at the end. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Corporal background want... nomad ending. Do you want to jump into uh, spoilers? Yeah, oh, sure. sure. I mean, okay. it's not. It's not a. We don't. The movie's not complex. Yeah. It's it's straightforward. Some you know, if you really wanted to praise it, I would I would call it un- unpretentious. Um, at its core. Yeah, it really it's just to- about. It really, about loving with your heart. Yeah, it really toes the line between like being pretty preachy and like kind of, uh, kind of over the top about like hookup culture and, um, like self reflection on certain events, and then it, like kind of, um, it abandons that at one point, brings it around again later on, but it also uh, the main focus is kind of that, the. Mm-hmm ideal look at american life and how we're not so different you and i um yeah it 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 plays around with a lot of different themes um and and it does a decent job giving enough time to all of them but they can feel a little unfocused in spots because there are so many levels of subtext and and different themes that it's trying to to approach yeah I will also say, um, the first plot, the first half of the plot, is basically an extended George Costanza um, arc from from any given Seinfeld episode, and and that's when the movie plays it's it. best. <laughs> yeah, so I say like let that dictate if that if nothing else we said uh, will inform you before we get into spoilers. Let that inform you of of how you want to feel about this movie. Yeah. Um, it's one big. I could I could see George Costanza doing this, going to going to Texas because a lady he met once uh, died. Yeah, it and it does she, feel fairly Seinfeldian. And with that, I think we should get into spoilers. Yeah, sure. So the premise of the movie, as far as the trailer would lead you to believe, is that this guy. You know, hooked up with this girl, who and the family thinks they were more serious, and you know he flies out to Texas for the funeral, and that's how the movie plays it for such a while, for a long time, and you find out more about the girl, and um, really the last twenty minutes they kind of undermine the whole portrait of this girl and what you know about her, and I don't think that was the best way to tie it all together like you know everyone yeah. keeps saying oh she wouldn't even touch an advil and then it's like oh well she was actually a real big pill popper and you're like well that kind of cuts out the intrigue and then a hole in when he tires, finally yeah. gets her her phone open and he calls the number that was he was listed under and it turns out to be ashton kutcher's character you're like, okay, so their relationship didn't mean anything to her either. She was just using him as like a beard, essentially. And you know, he yeah, spent yeah. this whole movie posthumously falling in love with this girl, and you think, well, maybe the message is, you know, this is what you miss out on with hookup culture because you never get to know the person. And it juxtaposes with the conversation he and his dude bro friend are having at the beginning of the movie about, oh, I don't want to know about, you know, what siblings you have and, and shit like that. It's all unnecessary. Right. I honestly thought for a lot of the movie um, that, like, she, I thought that he knew 
that she was like into drugs or something. At least if I had, I would have played it like he knew she was into drugs. They did drugs on the night they were together. Um, so everyone's saying he's holding it in, like he doesn't say anything, so that when the the end of the second act breakdown happens, um, he can he says that it's like you all think she's a saint, you all think she's a. I was with her when she she was there. We were popping pills together. How's that for you know your your truth, and just like say some real hurtful shit, but yeah, come kind of comes out from like decide but like yeah the whole movie though is like building up this posthumous romanticization he has of her like mm-hmm. he's like oh her music yeah. was beautiful the more you hear her voice the more you're gonna fall in love hi hi cat um yeah he's like falling in love with her as as he's trying to look back through her life and how everyone else so like saw her. that kind of fallout i don't know that it just I would have I would have wrapped this movie up in a completely different way. It, it just seems like it was trying to tackle too many things at once. Like it was trying to get get too many messages across at once, um, and uh, they kind of like they get like seventy eighty percent of the way there with with one idea before they switch it over to another idea, and then you kind of feel like a little bit of betrayal when I mean you saw it coming that you know they were not telling the whole truth. Um, about this girl, um, and there, there was some something shady going on. You just had to get that confirmation, and it took the grandma to, the grandma with loose lips, um, yeah. which, mm-hmm. I, it seems sloppy to me. Like if they went through the whole jump Rhythm around to to tell the sisters, because yeah. the brother, um, uh, Tyler, told the two sisters, hey, you know, tell them, don't tell them that she she uses or is a drug abuser um you'd think that they would have then told granny that hey we're gonna we're gonna keep her image you know in a good light don't yeah don't mention this you would have because it's she just very nonchalant i thought it was gonna be like a slip of the tongue kind of thing like oop i shouldn't have said that but she just was like oh yeah everyone knows that yeah it's like why didn't she bring that up sooner um like didn't they ask that like immediately yeah, I yeah, mean, cause... like, he, he, Ty was very adamant the whole time that it, it, it couldn't have been an overdose like they said so, because, you know, she wasn't a major drug user. I mean, it seems like the movie just kind of hinges on the fact that uh, Ben, BJ Novak's character, never brought up the fact that we're totally ruling out the fact that she overdosed by herself. Well, they kind of... Um, there's a point it, it in the middle of the movie where he's he's doing the narration for the podcast and like the theme of what he's talking about is like questioning the established narrative and they replay for you a lot of the like information that have been gathered about the case so far and one of the points mm-hmm. that they repeat in that segment a couple times is the the line that oh she didn't even touch an Advil so at that point, they put the question in my head at least, oh, was she actually someone who used frequently? Uh, but they also put up, a, they, they baited the hook with a few other possible ideas for the grand conspiracy that to me were far more interesting. Yeah, it, they, I will say, I was going to say at first, the, um, the whole, everybody's saying the same line. Specifically, she wouldn't, she never touched drugs. She wouldn't even touch an Advil. Um, 
they kind of did a good job of covering that up with like other, um, I guess not necessarily non sequiturs, but um, just phrases, maybe Texas phrases that they all say because the whole collective consciousness idea that they also put out there uh, was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does kind of feel like um, he was trying to put off the the vibe that they're they're all they're all in on it. They're all kind of culty. Um, together they all mm-hmm. live by the same credos. Um, that was a good way to mask it, like the fact that oh he told everybody to to say that she wasn't a pill popper. It just seemed very shallow. I don't think he could have told everybody to say hey don't don't tell this dude that she didn't take drugs mm-hmm. or whatever. So you, that kind of makes me think. All right, so um, I think part of why the ending didn't like resonate with me um is well first i'll put this out there did anyone else feel like this was this was structured like a rom-com just the girl was thinking about it like a rom-com it's about this guy who's in a relationship with his podcast right yeah podcast is girl one but she dumps him so he goes to texas and meets girl two which is the texan family and like texas culture they have their meet cute they have some misunderstandings. They grow to like each other. There's the second, the end of the second act where it all comes out and they get into the argument and they separate. But then they have to get together. And at the, at the same time as they separate, the you know girl one calls back and's like, "Hey, do you want to get back together?" And he has to make that choice. Who does he go with? Does he go with podcast or does he go with the family? And then usually how rom coms go is the climax will be like a a very like a declaration, you know, or a grand gesture, which in this case is killing Aston Kutcher. But usually that's done like with the other party, like, you know. Yeah. So I, I maybe, don't necess- maybe it would have been better if like the brother was also there and it or the, the town came together and it was like a, a town justice kind of deal. Like yeah. a. Um, yeah. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it conforming to a rom-com structure i think it has more i think it follows more of fish out of water story structure where impetus the leave comfortable um situation that you know very well to go to a land that's very different and there's there's friction and stuff from there i i see what you're saying but i don't think it really quite fits that mold there but i do agree that it would have made more sense since the whole point of him staying in texas well i mean his selfish reason was to get material for a podcast but his promise to the family or the family's objective there was to get vengeance on the mans who wronged her and um i think mm-hmm. ty is at the party <laughs> I think you see him right. there you know what they yeah you know what they fucking did like yeah he sees her he sees ty and then he goes off with ashley kutcher and that point i was like oh he's the villain that's how this is gonna go down um because you know he was the one in the beginning who was like the one that uh bj's character could relate to yeah. so of course that makes sense that he would be the one who is ultimately he represents the betrayal and like this the the changing of perspective but you know what they did they remember when the kid um he has the gun 
and he's racking the gun as BJ's character is talking about Chekhov's gun. Yeah. And then he very conspicuously ties the kid up at the beginning of the last scene. And then that doesn't get paid off. Like, that that one got me. Like, that's another ending. Is like, the kid could have, like, struggled his way free, followed him through the party, and overheard all the things. I think he and used way, the kid's gun to shoot Ashton Kutcher, though. Right. But what a... And that was like a big break for his character. What I think what a you know what could have made more sense is he's overhearing it and he's like just disillusioned. He doesn't know what to do because he doesn't you know the police obviously aren't helping and he's not going to be violent. But the kid uh, takes his vengeance because he had the really close relationship with the sister and he was the one who had the gun and he knows how to use a gun better than yeah. I mean. I think as far as the, the symbology there is, they did the Chekhov's gun, where you see the gun when he's talking about Chekhov's gun. He shows up in his room being like, can you help me unjam my gun? And that's the loading of the gun in the second act, and then he mm-hmm. shoots it in the third act to kill the bad guy. Um, would it have made more sense for the brother to do that? Maybe. I think he tied him up to avoid have him avoid getting hurt because he knew what he was fixing the do right or, or to keep I him mean, out of that party yeah that party might have drugs or alcohol and he didn't want him being a dumbass around there or leaving him i i got it as like he didn't want him to leave him stranded in the desert or have him uh, wander yeah, right. off i don't know yeah i don't know he ties him up and then the, the kids out of the movie for the rest of it yeah, yeah you really don't see any of them again well at least they don't have a speaking role apart from the mother and they have their conversation driving him back to the airport which as far as like trying to sum up the message of the movie it really only hits on a narrow band of what i think the movie was trying to say Mm -hmm. yeah and and also in that scene did anyone notice that like the green screen was like really bad in those scenes i i when i was watching i was like distracted by the background and the, the aliasing around the, the um, actors' heads. I didn't I notice, notice any of that. That just stuck version. out to me as like a one weird thing. I was I'm also like, wow. watching it on my phone, so I didn't. <laughs> Don't you know? From that was uh, a that was a work. David Lynch. Work if you watch a movie on your phone, you've been cheated. You yeah, haven't well. watched a movie. You've lied to yourself. <laughs> well, I lied well, to myself a... for an hour and forty-five minutes. I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Peacock. Yeah. Your fucking phone. <laughs> I met with George Lucas. He said it says a Wookiee. I'm like, what the hell is a Wookiee? I I think the um the the final thing I'll have to say about this is that the uh, the ending was kind of jarring too. Um, mm-hmm. it was definitely out of character. I felt yeah for him totally to do that just like to to shoot the guy is one thing, and then to erase the podcast. Because I guess blood money. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about just shooting him. Yeah, podcast too. Podcast is more in character, I guess. After he like felt that connection to the family um, and all that, and uh, like it, and not wanting to like exploit them, because I think he also yeah. did understand what Ashton Kutcher's character was saying was like, "Hey, you know, I exploited her for a song and." drug money and whatever but you know you're exploiting this family coming down here and yeah. putting them on they're all characters to you um and 
that was a good retrospective. Yeah, it for does kind of wrap it up. I suppose. But shooting him just felt like it was. I mean, it tonally for everybody else around him. Yeah. But maybe it should have been the brother to shoot him. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It should have been Ty. I feel from New York. I feel like Ty he, should have been involved. In yeah, that. he should have been there. You know, maybe he's maybe he can't pull the trigger. Maybe he he's he's like shaking. He wants to like uh, yeah. He, he like the job done. smugly says, "You're not going to shoot me. You're not the type or whatever." And then, and then uh, the Ty had overheard him outside the tent, and you know the gunshot goes off. He's like, "But I will, yeah. you son of a bitch." That's how we do it, Texas exactly. style. Yeehaw! And then the- yeah, yeah, that that <laughs> is more uh, like natural and uh, like character-wise wraps up his character. It doesn't throw him on this. Oh, he killed a person. Like, yet this is set in the universe where it's like. As long as you do wrong. it, we're four law enforcement agencies' jurisdictions overlap. <laughs> yeah. You can get away with it. (laughs) This is a very grounded uh, reality. And he took somebody's life. And you're expected to just go back to work the next day? Yeah, like like nothing happened. Like, yes, he's a piece of shit, but vigilante justice is also not great. (laughs) I mean, it's great in comic books, but not great in real life. I guess that's his character now is like, oh... I do podcasts. I shot a man. I shot a guy in in, in I, Waco just to watch him die. <laughs> I do podcasts and vigilante justice. You know that that's his thing. That's his. his uh, can you that's put that on LinkedIn? Marvel hero. Yeah, that's that's kind of. I think that is definitely the biggest reason why the ending kind of didn't work for me is because like he shoots this guy. It's completely out of character for him, and then he just goes on with his life. Like nothing happened. No, no story to show either. He just spent a week in Texas. Yeah. And how much money did he just waste for his boss? Yeah, you don't see the fallout of that decision. Um. I want to see. Yeah, I want to see the boss after. Like, man, I can't believe you just you deleted all that data. It took us like two days to recover that from the. Yeah. I mean, thank God the the intern had just backed up the cloud. Yeah, hundred. What? It's a hundred. Wait, did you up. think you kept the only copy on Workspace? Oh God, no. Like, we were, we were never putting just... that shit together, <laughs> dude. We're sending Wait, this out you... to national outlets. We have backups on backups on backups. <laughs> you think you own this? Uh, you work for a company that owns yeah. your intellectual property. We just expensed this entire trip to us. Texas for you. <laughs> I edited this. I don't care about them. This big conglomerate you work for, the Radio Collective. We own this. You're a pawn. That is a sequel to Vengeance. Where he walks uh, into the radio station and starts, he just pulls out the Glock. <laughs> so anyway, I started blasting. It just turns this, into a fucking pseudo John Wick. <laughs> the sequel to Vengeance is Severance. <laughs> and he's going to get fired been when he fired. If there wasn't an Apple prepared TV to show offer by you that two, exact same name. Two yeah. months Severance pay. <laughs> Uh, for wasting our fucking time, mm-hmm. um, uh, we yeah we should mention the jokes. Um, the jokes were fine. Uh, I kind of wish they were they went a little harder on him. Like I wanted them to kind of spool them out into like Austin Powers level gags, where they'll just eat up the whole scene. Yeah, I I I thought the the amount of humor was was fine. Um, I, the humor was oftentimes stronger. Than the uh, 
the mystery aspect of it. So I can yeah. I can see where you're coming from with wanting more of it, but I, I felt it was appropriate within what this movie was. If this had been constructed as a sillier movie, then yeah, go for it. He was definitely playing um, a, a solid straight man. I think I think B.J. Novak writes a good uh, straight character, um, straight man to the the comedy straight um, white man. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, I was and just, I do yeah. appreciate that that it was it followed that kind of convention. Yeah, and uh, you know he was he was the the less comedic relief one um, because I, I actually don't know how he is in like being the the jokey goofy one, um, but I think his comedy worked well in his like deadpan delivery of certain things. Like there are some things that he, he definitely said that. Made me chuckle. There are more things in this movie that were more full philosophical, which I was, uh, I scratched my head at a couple times. I was like, yeah, I'm not supposed there... to think during these movies. Well, Why it, is Ashton Kutcher making me like kind of well, tear I up mean, with profound wisdom? That's that's Ashton Kutcher now. Like, he's, or at least that's where he wants his career to be is like, he's put all that kind of co- put a lot of the like goofy slapstick comedy behind him. Yeah, and he he wants to be a little more cerebral. I mean, we did just review a trailer on this very show, where he <laughs> where he was where definitely he... not in a cerebral <laughs> movie. <laughs> he, he accidentally turns the cameras on his love interest and uh, watches them fuck a little bit and throws his phone. No, I get it because he he was in uh, the ranch for a long time, which is just that '70s mm-hmm. show rebooted. Who is also reprising his role in uh, that that '90s show? Well. Yeah, I feel like they're gonna figure show. out with that '90s show. But so that '90s show is an interesting beast to me, because um, when Topher Grace left that '70s show, they were like, "Oh, that's fine. Eric wasn't exactly the most popular character. We can make it work without him." And then the show <laughs> completely fell apart, and so they're like, yeah. "Okay." Let's try this again. <laughs> and what what's funny is that they brought a good amount of those characters back in the ranch. Um, mm-hmm. Now Danny Masterson is uh, no. He's longer got his around. own issues here. <laughs> yep. He is, I believe, in prison uh, or on parole or something. Classic um, move. But in the ranch, they brought a lot of those characters back: Fez, uh, Kitty. Uh, Danny Masterson's character, uh, Hyde. Hyde, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Kelso, Ashton Kutcher's character, and there might have been one or one more character. I can't remember. He who. is currently well, awaiting his second trial on rape charges. Ah, yeah, and that's full blown rape. That's yeah. not like you didn't. You just didn't like fondle somebody uh, without the consent. You. I think he like drugged somebody or or abused somebody into rape. That was that was bad. Isn't he also like a like a fucking Scientologist? I'm sure they're guy. all like Scientologists. He's gonna say Tom Cruise made him do it. Held the Tom or, Cruise. Or there was something. I, so the there might have first been weird with his that. first trial, I guess, ended in a hung jury. Uh, nice. Though they leaned toward acquittal. Um, 
so they're they're retrying it. I guess he got off on the first beat, but they're they're retrying it because they, well, one it was a hung jury, and two they they felt that they have a strong enough case to convict. I thought um, I thought I had heard something about like the Church of Scientology not not liking him, and kind of maybe possibly propping up. That's got to be that's got to be rough. I, it's, yeah. You know, I would normally denounce that as a crazy conspiracy theory, but that is something I could totally see the Church of like, Scientology we're, doing. We're putting you back down a couple levels. We're going to pay <laughs> some people to accuse you of some pretty nasty things <laughs> to drag your name through the mud. Now, I, he no, yeah. he may well have done it. I I don't Allegedly. know. <laughs> I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't know any of the facts. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, that's not what we're talking. We're talking about vengeance. That's, ve- that's uh, vengeance. Vengeance that's is a cool, yeah, Scientology. Vengeance, Scientology style. Um, vengeance is a dish best served in a bag of Fritos. Yeah, Frito pie. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's. A, they never heard of taco in a bag. Come on, it's a fine movie. Um, there there are definitely worse movies you could watch out there. Um, I would give it a recommendation. I think it's pretty solid. And I did recommend yeah. it for this week's episode. So, <laughs> so there we go. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. All right, uh, that's gonna so wrap that's it gonna up wrap for three forty nine. Next episode's three fifty. Uh, we have nothing special planned for that. So, uh, you'll have to wait another year for episode four hundred before we do something special. <laughs> uh, but until then, uh, be well, stay safe, and party like it's nineteen ninety five. Peace. Bye-bye.